You are listening to the Smuggler's Galaxy Podcast, my favorite podcast to listen to on long flights across the galaxy. This is the way. We wanted men. Welcome to episode 155 of the Smugglers Galaxy Podcast, your favorite Star Wars podcast for smugglers in the galaxy. I'm Glenn, and with me, as always, is Jason, except for last week when he was at PowerCon. Last week was the oddity, but it's good to be back. It's been two weeks since I recorded, so uh, I'm sorry if it seems like I'm a little rusty. It does feel like uh, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's just been 14 days. <laughs> it's not long at all. <laughs> oh, geez. So how was your uh, couple of weeks? Good. Busy, yeah. as always. This summer has been like one of the busiest summers of my life with all the travel and work. And it's just, it's been crazy. And it's not over yet. No, you got another thing coming up soon. So looking forward to September. But even then, I, I might have to go back to Dallas in September. So it's like, oh, geez. So you, you're doing Dallas for work? Yeah, for work. Everyone was suggesting Order 66 toys and then Holocron. Yeah, Jedi Holocron. Yeah, I think, is it Holocron toys or just Jedi Holocron? I don't know. Something like that. So if I go back, I'm going to get a car because I think I'll be there for a couple days instead of one. And I was just Ubering around. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of good toy stores in Dallas, dude. Plus you get some barbecue. Oh my gosh, I had so much barbecue. It was insane. <laughs> like everywhere it was barbecue and it yeah. was just delicious. The first one I went to, I got a brisket sandwich, but the brisket oh. tasted it was delicious. It came with coleslaw on the sandwich and some barbecue sauce. It was on like a sub roll almost. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious, but halfway through I'm like I don't want the bread. So I started eating the brisket alone mm-hmm. and it was so smoky that it tasted like I was eating smoke. Oh, geez. So, but, and then we went into this place called Cowboy Chicken, (laughs) which was kind of like a Panera, except that they had a pit where they were just rotisserie chicken. Uh It was so good. The chicken sandwich was so good. Like, that's the place to go. Uh, JD's is awesome here in Georgia, but that's a place to go if you love uh, barbecue. If, If you've got the time, you need to go to Lockhart if you love barbecue and have some barbecue. I don't, I think it's like an hour, maybe an hour and a half from Dallas, maybe more. You'd have to look at it. My wife wants, if, if she comes with me in September, uh, she wants to go to Waco to go to Magnolia thing. And she's like, I hate them, but I want to (laughs) go. So we'll see. see It's such a tourist trap, but Hey, get a cupcake. My wife used to watch that show and I'd be like, when are they bringing the cupcakes in? Oh, whoop, whoop, whoop. There you go. Cupcake time. (laughs) So pissed at me. (laughs) How was uh, Legion Con yesterday? Dude, I love Legion Con. Um, It was, I I heard a lot of people kind of, I think we had a multitude of 
we had conventions too too fast because we had I think one every every weekend this month. Yeah. Uh, and it felt that way with Legion Con because when I talked to you guys, when I talked to you and I talked to Jordan, y'all go to everything, and both of y'all were just like, I'm taking a week off. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it's it's Legion Con, man. You got to come support Hamer. Powder Springs Toy Show, followed by Joy Land, Joe Lanta, followed by Legion Con. It was boom, well, bam, you had, boom. Yeah, Power Con. So you had a lot of people that made the trip up to Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Which I heard that affected Toy Lana or Joe Lana, because uh, a lot of people made the trip to Columbus versus uh, Joe Lana. Yeah, because Toy Department comes down to uh, Toy Lanta, but they were at a Power Con. Right. For example. Well, they they are big enough. I think they have a couple of different setups that they could have done both shows if they wanted to. But I, you don't, you don't know what their reasoning behind it is. And uh, I've heard Toy Lana or Joe Lana rather suffered because of of it being on the same weekend as uh, PowerCon. But I don't. That's not my. That's not my bag, man. I didn't. I did not. I didn't go to Joe Lana because I didn't want to pay the 15 bucks to get in. I knew how small of a show it was and I, it was a lot of money for me to pay, I think $15 to get in there mm-hmm. for, for a very small show where versus uh Legion con it's $5 and you get, you can spend all day there. It's a lot, it's a lot easier. It's a more of a, more of a hangout. There's a bar. There's a bar. And uh, I mean, he's got it set up pretty cool. Cause he's got, um, it's at the Legion in Smyrna, Georgia. So when you get there, there's a bar. And then in the bar, he had like artist, uh, you know, painting and stuff. And then you can, you know, you can get a beer or you get a burger and you hang out and you can look at the artist. And, um, and then in the main room, he has a comic book artist and then toys. And I mean, for it being a smaller show, it just... It, it, I I enjoy it because, like I said, man, you you just hang out. We we were there. We got there at like nine, and we left at five, and we we're like, where'd the day go? Because it's just, I, and it is, you know, we we hang out. Um, we said we have a club table there, so we kind of are in the front, and there's a couple of people from the Legion that are there taking tickets. So we shoot the crap all day long with them, and uh, it just it makes for a fun show. It makes for a fun fun show to see people and. Uh, the five hundred first were there. Uh, they had a um, a dad with his two sons. The dad did a pretty damn awesome Count Dooku. Where you, uh, I Matt from Nerd U was just like, "Did you see that Count Dooku?" Because I saw him walk through the door, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then he's like, when he got closer, you could tell he wasn't really Count Dooku. But you know, twenty feet away, ten feet away, you see somebody dressed as Count Dooku, and you go, "Oh crap!" It's yeah. a damn good Count Dooku. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and they had a guy. One of the sons was a TK, and the other son was a uh, an air uh, tie pilot. Were they like uh, like seven, eight year olds? Or are we talking like twenty year old? Probably twenty year olds. Okay, so like, they were it, tall enough to be stormtroopers. Yeah, they were official five hundred first members. Okay. They were probably yeah. If they were if they you know late twenties, early thirties, late I'm sorry, late teens, early twenties. And then they had a uh, Darth Raven and a Tick. Tick was there. Tick. They had a Tick. So every every time somebody was like, "Hey, Tick," I'm like, "No, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Tick. 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 Which I was I was kind of surprised to see a Tick, but I mean, the guy had a great costume. Yeah, that's a great. I saw the photos. That's a great Revan, and it's a great uh, Tick. It was awesome. So, and that was a great Glenn. Who who was in the middle? That was a yes, Glenn. that was me in the middle. 
had your like, Hawaiian shirt on and everything. Yeah, my wife picked that up for me. She got it off Amazon, and everybody's like, oh, it's a Hawaiian shirt. And they're like, oh, no, it's got Fed on it. Yeah, I got to look into trying to make some sort of custom Hawaiian shirt. It's just uh, with everything else going on. <laughs> but I want it to be a legit Hawaiian shirt. Anyways, that's, that's, a, yeah, just that's a squirrel a pile for, this, of crap. for this episode. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, I not go ahead. Pick anything up from the show? I did. I picked up um there's a guy named Dan uh Curin. I know I pronounced his last name wrong, but he does art and uh he did a a FET piece and he did a wicked piece. I knew about the FET piece because he had posted it and I was like, sweet, I'm gonna have to pick that up. And then when we walked to his table, he had a a, a wicked piece, and I was just like, damn it, I'm gonna have to buy that too. So uh, it's a couple of pieces of original, like four by six art, which I love because I don't have enough, you know, four by six really small pieces of art are perfect because I don't yeah. have a whole lot of room. Um, and then what else did I pick? I picked up a uh, micro galaxy squadron. Uh, is it Antoc merit merit yep. X wing? Yeah. Yep, and I picked, I was looking at it because the one, one of the, the one I got, you didn't have a sticker on it. Yeah. This one didn't have a sticker on it either. So did the seller know what they had? Um, he, it was Steve, uh, our buddy Steve had it Yeah, and, um, he didn't, he had bought, I guess, bought the guy out that was next to him. I guess the guy wanted to leave and he made an offer on the whole booth cause he had a smallish booth and, uh, I was looking at it and he, I, I was just kind of looking at it and he goes, dude, you, you can have that for like five bucks because I have no money. I've got what I wanted out of this booth and, you know. And I, I kind of put it down because I'm like, yeah, you know, you just you, you I, you're running through your head the amount of money you spent the day during the day. And you're like, five dollars is cheap, but I don't really want to, you know, you got to stop somewhere. And uh, then I just picked it up and uh, I opened it up because the box, the, the, the bubble was crushed. It was an opener anyway. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't worth holding on to. But yeah, so. That was it. I know, and then I picked up an X Men number four because it had Gambit on the cover. So I'm I'm trying to do a Gambit run, or just when I'm, you know, if I can find cheap comics uh, with Gambit on it, I'll pick those up just to have something to look for while you're, uh, you know, going through stuff. Look, you know, mm-hmm. so you have something to look for while you're at a show. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and then my wife picked up a. Uh, a little purse somebody had taken was fi- taking purses that they found at like Goodwill and painting stuff on them. And of course, can you guess what character it had on it? Wicket. Wicket. It had Wicket. And the lady was only wanting like 20 bucks. I'm like, the drawing's worth $20. So that's it that I picked up there. What else did you pick up? <laughs> I picked up, you know, the, the Target, the two Target Fets. Yes. I found those in a Target. So I picked oh, up okay. too. And yet again, it's one of those, do I really need these? And I'm like, it's fat. You just got to keep it going. You just got to feed the machine and be like, <laughs> damn it. I'm oh. feeding the machine. And and they are continuing to repaint fat because people like me keep buying them. You don't have to. You I want to. I wanted to. You've got a, a, a demon on your shoulder saying, do it. I do. And then all of a sudden I look over and there's Wayne going, hey, man, how you doing? Was Wayne there? No, 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 that's a callback to a previous episode. Okay, I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. I have to give myself credit. That was faster to catch up than normal. You have to explain it. It's funny because there was one one thing. What was it? Because you keep going to call back because like you were in PowerCon and you had made something, and Wayne's like, You need 
Wayne is going back for it. And then like, there was another post um, that I had, Wayne yeah. was saying something and then I posted do it. Oh no, he was, he was doing his uh like the last minute of the uh, fundraiser, the Kickstarter. And I'd posted a do it. And then he posted a Simpsons underneath it. Simpsons <laughs> gift. <laughs> nice. So it's good to know that it just keeps kind of keeps going. It keeps going. It does. Jokes never die. No, they don't. They just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Wayne because his book completely funded and it hit the uh, $50,000 tier. So he's going to get an uh, interview with Tim Effler into the book. Yeah, it was like two thousand dollars away from the sixty thousand. It was like fifty eight thousand dollars. I was yeah, I was really happy for him. Yeah, so he's hard at work at volume two. Awesome. So uh, that'll be something too. And, and and the weird thing is that PowerCon, uh, he didn't bring a lot of GI Joe prints because why? Yeah, it's a, a Power Masters in the Universe convention, but he sold out. That was the first thing that sold out was all the GI Joe prints. Wow. Yeah. It was a good time, PowerCon. We uh the the blue milk booth was kind of there was the uh where uh, across the intersection of the walkway was uh Wayne's booth. So I was bouncing back and forth helping between the two when I could and it was a good time. Should I just get into it? Yeah, dude. A, just do it. We're we're do long it. Long story. Um You've got some first, fun stories to say from PowerCon, man. Yeah, the first place we stopped it was Kim Simmons' studio. We had to uh-huh. pick something up for Tim Effler. So just to be in the studio <laughs> where all of those photos were taken wow. was just a bit unreal. And Kim gave me a it was part of one of his Kickstarters. Come on, it's a patch made by Josh. Oh, that's it's awesome. A, Kim Simmons. And so like to get this from Kim Simmons and Kim Simmons' studio where all the photos from Empire on were taken, it was pretty awesome. And then um I had some ideas there for dioramas because I'm still working on that Cantina thing. So I might incorporate some of the ideas from that into this. So it, it was it was cool. And uh from there we went off. Uh that was Cincinnati. We went off to Columbus. Uh there's a whole stretch of highway there from Cincinnati to Columbus, where uh, we saw the UFO. It just needs to be said, this time it was in daylight, and we were looking the whole time for like an hour and a half, trying to find a way to explain away what we saw. There was nothing. So there was no UFO or anything on this trip? There's no UFO, but there was no um, thing where it was like, oh, that's that's obviously what we saw. That's a billboard. All the billboards were out in the cornfields. Right. There was really nothing above that was triangular shaped. So I I just want to put that out there. It was a genuine UFO. A UAP as they call it these days. Do 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more like government technology, but that's a whole nother conspiracy theory black hole thing that we're not going to go down in this episode of the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. You want to hear about power cons, so let me tell you about that. <laughs> We get in. Uh, I also want to preface this. I had set a budget for myself of three hundred dollars. Awesome. I met a guy last year at PowerCon, Josh, who deals with Earl McCarthy artwork. Mm-hmm. Earl McCarthy is a designer, uh, um, an illustrator who does who did a lot of drawings for toys. He did a uh, seventy to eighty different toy lines. He's passed away, and most of that art is with his family, but some of it is out on the market. Um, and so he did a lot of stuff for Masters of the Universe, which is why he's there. 
And I asked him, do you have any micro machine stuff? And he's like, yeah, I think so at home. Here's, here's my card. So I, I've had his card for a year. And I told uh, Rich that I was going to reach out to him. He's like, oh, I know him. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Of course, Rich knows everyone. Yeah, that, that is so, it, yeah. Never mind. It just, it's funny because you talk to Rich and you know, the same thing. You, you're like, dude, I, I'm thinking about this. Like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yes. So he reaches out on, on my behalf and he says, I got something. I'll, I'll bring it to you to the show. So I'm like, okay, great. So I know that there's some artwork coming and I have a $300 budget. And so we arrive at PowerCon 930 at night on Thursday. Uh, the convention closes at 10. So really, we don't have much time other than to unload, which we do. We saw the uh, Thundercats playset, that $650, I don't know, it was four foot tall like i i took a photo with me next to it because i'm i'm a big guy and so just for scale that thing is massive yeah i hope hasbro listens if they decide to do some sort of kickstarter like that campaign um camp crowdfund uh, a big playset like that like it was only 600 it was 650 dollars, but it was only three thousand people they didn't ask for eight thousand people so just keep it small hasbro but it was a cool playset, like walking around front to back. And then later on, they they did put a container, uh, a acrylic shield around it, so no one can touch it. So I on the first day, I was actually like I could touch it. I was close enough to see that it was three D printed. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so now, you were drop you off. Uh, when when you say was is that like a preview night or is that like a load in night on Thursday? That's a load in night. Okay. There's not really a preview night. It's just that you load in. And then Friday it opens. Gotcha. Um, so we we dropped everything off. Then we went over to Josh and, and Rich was talking to Josh about something. And then we decide to, he's, he's like, oh, let me show you the art. So we go over to his booth because he's got a couple booths actually. And he pulls out Dash Rendar, Shadows of the Empire, the uh, sketch that Earl McCarthy made for uh, Micro Machine Line. And I'm just looking at this thing like, Yes, this has all the things that I love. Shadows of the Empire, Micro Machines, original artwork. Like, I, I want this. I'm going home. He says he wants $300 for it. I'm like, oh, that's all my money. And I'm like, uh, I'm like wishy-washy because I don't want to, like, get rid of all my money night one. He's like, I'm here all weekend. So I'm like, okay, great. So we leave. We get up uh, Friday morning to go set up the booth. PowerCon on Friday opens from 2 to 8. So it's oh, almost so you like had all day. Yeah, after work, come by, come on down and uh, check it out. So uh, we start setting up the booth and we uh, we meet Freddie Thoman, who is the gentleman who sat across from us in the aisle. He's a Kenner uh, employee. He worked on Star Wars, Mask, Strawberry Shortcake, Ghostbusters. Um, he did Batman. He was on Batman for like 10 years. So Wow. Yeah, he's got a pretty impressive resume. Uh, we have an interview with him that we'll play at the end here. Um, and I'll go into like what went into leading up to that um, towards the end. But he pulls out these photos onto his tabletop. They're photos of when Boba Fett visited Kenner. And he scanned the original negatives and then made prints out of it. And, and I'm sorry, Narayan, I failed you. I didn't pick up a set for me or or for him, but he's going to be making me, dude, or thanks. for you. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he's going to be making more. However, this was uh, images of when Lucasfilm sent the armor to Kenner to have somebody walk around and they could take photos. The weird thing was, Freddie said this was 1979, but all the armor was Return of the Jedi. 
colors. So if you know Boba Fett, you know like his gauntlets are blue. The tick marks on the side of his head went from yellow to orange. The the jetpack was a different color. It was all Return of the Jedi. And I, I wanted to be nice. I didn't want to be insulting and be like, no, 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 this can't be right because this is Return of the Jedi. But he was adamant it was 1979. So I don't know if they had some alternative coloring that they were playing with and then decided to use that for Return of the Jedi. I, I don't know. But he was taking all these close-up photos of all the armor work and then the details. He was the only person, I, my understanding, to take photos when that happened. Uh, so he had a complete set there for like a hundred bucks. So I, I didn't get a set That's for any of us, but he will be making more. Um, it was a pretty cool thing because I don't think he he said this is the first time he's ever made them available. So to be like one of the first people to see these photos outside of Kenner was pretty awesome. Yeah. Did, now, did they you because I I've, I've saw a video of that, and I don't know if it's the same issue, same instance or not. But there's an uh, you see a, a shot of Boba Fett like extending his gauntlet where he's shooting fire, and then just snap a picture, and then that ends up being the card back, and it's Boba Fett on like a white background, like against a wall, and then they airbrushed it and made it the card back. So Does I don't know if that's the same thing or not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to see the photos again to. Right. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But I can. I did take photos of the photos. <laughs> To show Narayan. Um, no, there's no white background. Gotcha. Um, are you talking about this one? Uh, similar, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Could... Well, <laughs> Anyways. Um, so it was great to meet Freddie and listen to him tell these stories. He was pulling out. He did the original, like I said, the original painting for uh, that Ice Planet playset. Uh, he was 19 years old. He was an intern. And he painted this playset that we've all like most people had as a as a child for wow. Ice Planet Hoth. And um he did artwork for he did the design for the ATST. So he's the one that made the different sketches of that. And then they sent it off to a mechanical designer who kind of molded it and they went back and forth because like the designer the mechanical designer would come back and was like, the leg's too small here. We need to make it bigger for it to stand. And Freddie would be like, well, that doesn't look like the thing itself. Can, so can we do this? And so there's that back and forth in the development of that product. He said he had to go up to like uh, um, Grand Rapids because there was a guy with a stylus who would trace the wooden patterns and then put it into the computer so they can make their molds and stuff. So he had to, trans he had to transport the wooden stuff up there to watch like them scan the feet. That was the example that he used. So that was pretty awesome. Um Tom Osborne was there Friday. Tom was a director of something at Kenner. I mean, he worked on all that stuff too. And Freddie, I think, reported to him. Wow. Um, and so then they had their panel at four o'clock. Uh, so I, I did the introductions for that panel, but I did not moderate it because they had a slideshow. And I was like, I don't want to like interrupt their slideshow to ask questions. I just let them go. So it was cool to be on stage with them, do a quick, uh, this is Freddie, this is Tom, this is what they worked on. Uh, that was awesome. Cool. Were there a lot of people at the panel? No. Oh, I was quite sucks. disappointed with that. that. That would be my only, like, I loved PowerCon. It was double in size since last year. It's definitely a show worth going to. to. Prices were great and competitive, um, but they did have two different halls for uh, the panels. Uh-huh. 
and during the counter panel, it was like Super 7. Excuse me. I just had some soda, so I'm burpy. Um, it was either Super 7 or NECA or something like that was doing a panel at the same time. So people oh. would pop into their panel and then quickly look around and realize, oh, wait, this is not. And then they would leave. That happened like two or three times. There's probably about seven people in the audience, not counting me. Oh, man. Yeah, it was pretty crushing. Yeah, because when they did that at Toy Atlanta, well, granted, the club was there, so the word got around pretty decent, but the room was full. Yeah. But they did talk about uh, developing, like, not only Star Wars, but Mask. And and Freddy, uh, like I said, he was an illustrator, so he did some artwork for Mask. And as the slides came up, he's like, I don't know. I don't even remember doing that. <laughs> he said he was a gun for hire. So sometimes they'd be like, you're not working on anything. So go over there real quick and do a sketch for mask. And he would come back and work on whatever he was working on. Wow. Well, I mean, that's also, I've talked to some of those guys and they're like, dude, it's 40 years ago. I don't remember everything I've done. Yeah. And and then you talk to other people who are in the industry now and they're like, it was a job to them. They don't, there's no way they're going to remember everything they touched. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was. That's exactly what they said, what Freddie said. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so then uh, and it was like four to five, that panel and five to five thirty six ish. I got a quick dinner, just quick something to eat. Um, And then uh, I was like, I'm going to go out and record. And Rich is like, all right, go look for Ugnaughts. He wanted some Ugnaughts uh, legacy collection, Ugnaughts for his personal collection, Um, which I need to go look into that Ugnaught a little bit because he was talking about uh, some design things that they made with that legacy Ugnaught, like you could pull it apart, and you the idea was that at some point you'd be able to make the vintage Ugnaught with like a purple vest and a gray suit and stuff like that. Um, I need to go back and, and take a look at that closer, but they never did that. So, anyways, he wanted the the, the legacy collection Ugnaughts. I had put my heart set on buying that piece of art, so I wasn't gonna buy anything. Right. I just wanted to see what was out there. So I start walking around with the camera, checking out, you know, they had there's two vinyl cape jawas there. Uh, the dude that I bought the uh, Imperial officer last year for a hundred bucks had this thing for seven thousand bucks, which is a steal considering like the price of that stuff now. Well, considering there was another guy selling one for like twenty or something that like twice yeah, the price. The, yeah, the Lemkels had something. But um, so I'm going up and down the aisle, and I've trained myself to look for one specific figure and one variant of said figure. <laughs> and so I get to this one booth and I'm like, Do you have the legacy collection Ugnots? And they're like, well, let me think. And so they, I show them like this is what the legacy collection figure looks like. 
And I go, I don't have it, but the guy down there might have it. He was pointing. So they have like three vendor tables all set up to look like it's just one long vendor. Uh-huh. And I wasn't sure where one vendor ended and where one began. So had he not pointed me in that direction, I might not have gone this way. But I see all these vintage figures on the wall and I'm scanning them. I'm looking at them and I see an R5 and that's the variant I'm always looking for in the event that someone mismarks the red bar R5 for 40 bucks. And sure enough, someone had mismarked the uh, red bar R5 for 40 bucks. So I stopped recording. (laughs) This is like 730 at night. The show closes in a half hour. This thing is not going to make it to tomorrow. So I run over to Rich or make it through the end of the day tomorrow. I run over to Rich. I'm like, dude, are there red bar fakes out there? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. But why? I'm like, this dude over here selling it for 40 bucks. He's like, well, buy it. <laughs> He's like, take the risk and buy it. And so I'm like, well, if I do that, then if I buy a fake R5, then I might not be able to buy the artwork. So I'm doing all this thing in my head. And I called Narayan real quick because I wanted to know, like, what should I look out for? What are the, what, what are the, the, hallmark traits of a red bar r5 and it went straight to voicemail so then i call you real quick and i'm like do you know of any fakes and you're like just just buy it i'm like all right well if two of my friends are telling me just buy it i gotta go over and buy it so i walk over and i'm like um trying to like play it cool like i do you want to walk right up to it be like i want this one this one right here for 40 dollars um i want the r5 and the vendor the vendor was like uh I know that there's a variant out there of this, but I don't know if this is it or not. So I gave him a hundred bucks. He gave me the 60 back and I walk away with a red bar for 40 bucks. No, there is no variant of this. I don't know what well, you're when talking he said about. That, yeah, exactly. When he said that, I, I was just so crushed because if you know it's a variant, then why don't you look into it unless you know it's fake? Right. I mean, the alternative is he knew what he had. Maybe he bought it for five bucks and decided to offer it for 40 and then played stupid. So that's the flip side of that possibility. But I kind of feel like he didn't know. No. So I felt really guilty about it because I'm like, I could be ripping this guy off. He should, I should be giving him, I don't know, 20 times that, whatever yeah. the case may be. Well, let me put um, it to you this way. So I saw one yesterday at Second Chance and it was way worse shape and they wanted 300 bucks for it. Yeah, there was one that sold on uh, on the on Facebook on one of those pages for eight hundred and fifty dollars. The day I bought this for forty, that one yeah. looked a little bit nicer. So this could be like a seven hundred dollar figure, right? So I show it to Rich, but no, 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 I was, oh. I was right, right, right. <laughs> so I I showed the red bar to Rich, and he's like, "This looks like a real sticker." So we took it over to the guy that runs Cantina Collectibles. Uh huh. Shout out to him because he was like, he thought it was real, uh, but then he thought the sticker was too high up on the body. But then he went to pull out a regular R5 to compare it with, and he thought it was real. By then, I had, uh, and Ryan had seen my photos, and he was telling me, look for this piece, look for this piece, look for this piece. And since then, I've looked at some of the fakes. I see that the screw inside of it is the correct screw. So I'm pretty confident in saying that this is a real red bar for 40 bucks, which was a steal. Right. No, I, I think it's good because it did. Once I saw pictures of the sticker, it kind of concerned me a little bit because it was wrinkled. Uh, like they just threw it on there real quick, but everybody, huh? It doesn't have that. Not wrinkled, but the where it There's, went together was kind of weird. Oh, where where the, it, it didn't overlapped. meet up right. Yeah, and that kind of concerned me a little bit. But then I was also like, for forty bucks, even if it's a fake, 
sticker, if the figure's real, you could still get some of your money back and just be like the sticker's fake, but the figure's real. But yeah, it, everybody I talked to, even when I was at Second Chance, they were like, that damn Jason. $40 <laughs> for a red bar? What's up with that? I don't know. <laughs> that's dude, that that's even uh, I'm still kicking myself for the one that I that I missed one for like four bucks. That was a beater that um it just you just don't I just wasn't paying attention to it. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, I had a red bar in there in the four dollar bin, and you're just like and this was back when you you probably could have got a hundred dollars for that beater red bar. Now they're probably in the three to four hundred dollar range. But I do the red bars and the, the Jawas, not the Jawas, the sand people. Yeah. For a hollow yeah, cheek. I was going to say, I went back out after that to do more videoing and I was looking at the sand people. So who knows? <laughs> we'll see. I, there was one guy that had one at one at the last Powder Springs meetup and it was freaking nice. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know 100% pricing. I'm like, they're two to $300. And then I'd ask another 50 bucks, maybe a hundred on top of that. Cause this one's that nice. I mean, because it was it was cherry, no paint rub or anything. I mean, if a beater's three hundred bucks, I would imagine a nice one has to be like six. Yeah, there's a there's a curve. It gets higher uh, the nicer the figure gets. As you get closer to like one hundred percent complete and one hundred percent in great condition, no paint rub, the price is sky high. Yeah, it's like it goes from a you know if you get something graded and it's an eighty, that's like average. But then you get an eighty five. And it's two, three hundred dollars more. Yeah. And you're just like for a point for five points, but that's how people and then you get a 90. Forget about it. Saturday. Um, so Saturday I had less money, obviously, because I bought the red bar. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo for me. Um, I did make a deal, $250 for that artwork. So I was able to get oh, the artwork nice. and still have 10 bucks left over. Um, I actually had 15 bucks because I had an extra five. So I, I went there with $305 in cash. And then um, there was a Zelda poster from 1988 that I really wanted. The first day it was 40 bucks. The second day it was 30 bucks. And on the final day it was 20 bucks. I had $15 left in my pocket. And I said, I'll give you 15 for that. He said, sure. So I was able nice. to get everything I wanted. And then on my way out of the, the, the facility, I uh, stopped by this one booth that had an action fleet tie defender. They wanted 150 bucks, and this is Sunday, and I'm like, I'm gonna push myself here. Would you do 90 on it? Um, because I think that thing is worth like 400 bucks, and no one's paying any attention to it for 150 bucks. Not that I'm looking for an investment. I just, I've wanted that for a long time, and he's like 100. I'm like, deal. Because <laughs> if I went on eBay guard. right now, I can get the same thing for like 400 bucks. So right, I did go 100 dollars over budget, but. Uh, the value of what I've purchased is exceedingly of, of that. So you can always sell that red bar and make all your money plus. Yeah, back. everyone's like, you should sell, you should sell. I'm like, can I just put enjoy it in my having it? No. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, they go ahead. Immediately flip it. No, man, enjoy that thing. That that you've got a story. When you can find something and then have a story behind it, there's there's no need to trade it. Yeah. So I was ecstatic to have it. And uh he went around the show. Uh uh, I saw FJ, Mike, and Vicky. Um, they walked by the booth, and I showed them my red bar. And FJ had picked up a bunch of Ewok stuff. Uh, Mike and Vicky, I must have met them at ICCCC, but I just don't remember uh -huh. meeting. Like I, I know them. I've I've met them somewhere. 
Um, but I, I was like an idiot, like, oh, it's nice to meet you. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've met them already. I don't know where you would have met them, but I've I met them if... before. Okay. Yeah, those are good people. I've been to their house a few times. They're 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 good people. Yeah, I, so I, was... yeah FJ, I haven't I if I've met FJ, it's been in passing. Yeah, all stellar people right there. So yeah. So I mean if you see them. Yeah. There could what? yeah. Anyway. What? Sorry, nothing. Um I did uh moderate the uh, book panel. Uh it was cool to see Wayne up there. Mm. It's like he's he's doing it. And uh they I opened up for questions in the room and one guy raised his hand. He's like, I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say I just backed the book. Awesome. So like as they were giving the panel, someone backed his book, which was awesome. And it was cool because they did um like people to see at PowerCon. And you have like Rich and and uh then you you'll see like Tim Effler and then Todd Osborne and then there's Wayne. And you're just like Wayne's up there with the other with the big boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was great to hang out with everyone. Uh Tim Effler showed up for Saturday, Sunday. So uh that was cool. I didn't get back until uh, 3 a.m. Uh, Monday morning. I got up at 6 to go to work and I'm like, nope. So I went back to sleep and I was like, <laughs> I'll be an hour late. It's fine. I woke up at 7. I tried to get in the shower and I felt really dizzy. Really? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not driving. You'd be proud of me. I was up until like 1, 1 every single night. Dude, I am proud of you. I didn't complain. Just went along with the flow. We had a blast. That's uh, the we- show where you got to do it, man, because you could make some serious connections at that show. Yeah, we met uh, Tim. Let's say Connor. He is the the designer and the sculptor and the, the guy who created Boglins. Okay. And we were sitting at dinner one night, Wayne, myself, Rich, and uh, Bill, who's a friend of Rich. Um, and they see Tim come over, and I thought they meant Tim Effler. He was sitting at the bar by himself, and they flagged him over. So he sat with us and had his dinner, and he told us stories about. Just like life growing up in the Bro- in Brooklyn and how his parents, his grandparents saw Babe Ruth, his his dad saw Mickey Mantle. Um, it was it was amazing. It was it's just cool to listen and tell stories, and it was like nothing to do with uh, action figures. And you know, the next day we see each other, we're like, "Hey, how's it going?" Very cool. in passing. So yeah, that I was think really Bo- cool. Yeah, I think Boglins are starting to make a little bit of a comeback. You're starting to see them more and more at shows. Yeah, there was a vendor who's who took the Mad Balls. Remember those? Yeah, and he made they made action figures of them. So like the Mad Ball itself is the head, but now they've got bodies to go with that oh, head. Man. That sounds cool. Those were cool. Uh, Battle Toads, Four Horsemen. Everybody was just lining up for Four Horsemen. Um, on every single. I day. I'd have been right in that line with them, man. Oh yeah, you did bring me back a Cosmic Legion. You picked me up a, a one of the Cosmic Legions. I forgot to mention that earlier. I got some Gladiator dude for Jordan. Yeah, we were like, are we going to make Jordan, are we going to make Jason our mule and bring us back some Cosmic Legion, some Four Horsemen stuff? Uh, Spoiler alert, yes. Yes, we did. (laughs) Dude, you were showing me pictures and there's people with like buying like thousands of dollars worth of Four Horsemen stuff. Yeah, they had a pop-up, like a radio flyer, but it was like a pop-up thing. Yeah, the stuff you see, you see that a lot at baseball games, like youth baseball games and stuff. Yeah, so they had that thing stacked like six feet tall walking out of the the place with with all of the exclusives like i said they had the battle toads and those boxes were big that's that was an old uh nintendo game yeah battle toads for those that don't know um but yeah it was it was cool to see all of the stuff that super seven was making 
Uh, we got to hang out with a couple of the people from Super 7. Well, Rich did. Wayne and I were actually hanging out um, <laughs> at the bar uh, Saturday night. And yeah, just an absolute blast. I, I love it. Um, I can't thank Blue Milk enough for taking me along as a volunteer helper. Um, if you haven't bought that Vintage Collection Archive Edition book, make sure you buy it. There's not going to be a second second run on that. So once it's out, it's out. Yeah, PowerCon. I have I had major FOMO that weekend, so I, I have to figure out a way to fit in uh, Rich's trunk next year or something, or in a bag. But there was tons and tons of Star Wars everywhere at PowerCon, but not a lot seemed to be moving because as I would walk around a couple times, very little of it was was moving. And I'm like, mm -hmm. is it because it's the Masters of the Universe con, or is it because just Star Wars is peaked? I think Star Wars is cooling. Yeah. I think so too. Um yeah. I I I think they've gotten it's gotten uh, not I don't want to say elitist but you've got to have money to get into it. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are wanting you know the beaters are kind of moving but yeah, it, I I really think it's peaked and people are just tired of it. Yeah, I'm wondering if prices is is one thing. The uh, new content not re resonating enough with people. You know, if, are people just like, ah, I'm gonna go get mask instead because that's more affordable, or at least it was. But yeah, I think I, yeah, it's, it's cooling. Yeah, I think you've got people moving on to like the Boglins and the uh, the the odd. I truthfully, I think that the. Uh, Oh crap! The custom, not that custom, but the like the four horsemen, and you've got fresh monkey, and yeah. you've got you that kind of stuff. That uh, where you're paying forty dollars a figure. That those those have come so far, and I think that's where a lot of people are leaning towards, and because that's where I'm going. Uh, you know, I've said it before that four horsemen's gotten my money. Fresh monkey, big bad toy store. They're doing fresh monkeys doing monster squad. I've got four or five figures at forty bucks a piece on pre-order with big bad toy store waiting for those mm. to come out. Um, yeah. it's just something new. It's something fresh. You're like, they look incredible and they, they blow the black series out the water and like you, and I think it's, it's pricing because you're paying $25 for the deluxe Sabine. And the only reason I'm doing it is because it's a deluxe Sabine, you know, it's a Sabine. Yeah. Um, and the, everybody's griping about how big her, her bucket is when they should make it a swappable head versus a bucket. Yeah, um, I don't know why they made that choice. The only reason I can think that they would make that choice is so that she could hold it and it wouldn't be weird. You wouldn't have a peg, but they could change the peg around, you know, put the peg on on the neck versus on the head. Uh, cause, but I, I, I think the designer toys, that's the word I was looking for. Designer toys are coming such a long way and they're, they're just, cause yeah, there's just tons of them. And that's the one thing I saw at PowerCon that there was a lot of designer toys vendors out there that they weren't yep. necessarily selling, but they're like, here's my toys. You know, yep. this is, you can pre-order them and come look at my stuff. And, uh, that I noticed that at Joe fest and I started seeing it like in Cincinnati a couple of years ago and you're just, you're not paying attention to it. And now all of a sudden it's got my attention. And, um, I think Toylana should bring some of those guys in, uh, next year. It'd be cool. Uh, more than just, four horsemen maybe bring in fresh monkey and, and 
I don't know of any, I know there is an action force or something that that's a bunch of like GI Joe style yes. people. Yes. Yes. Uh, and they've got, they, they were doing a piece. Like you were saying the, the, um, the Kickstarter ground crowdfunding crowdfunding for Thundercats. Thundercats. Yeah. That $600 thing yeah. that they were doing a, 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 a truck that they debuted at, at Joe Fest that was like $250 where mm-hmm. it would have been five, 600 bucks through Hasbro. Mm-hmm. So the designer told, I think Star Wars is cooling and people are spending their money elsewhere. People still got money to spend, but they're not spending it on Star Wars. Yeah. It's just not an easy mark, uh, easy hobby to get into an yeah. easy niche, I should say, whatever uh, genre of the hobby, Star Wars. Right. I think, because... go ahead, go, go, go. No, I think in 20 years, when we look back and, and look at Star Wars and be like, if it continues to decline, you know, where did it start? I think people will look at the the moment Lucasfilm uh, said no more to the EU or the old version, which I get because they got to tell stories and move forward and they can't explain, well, this supposedly happens in one book. So how did this happen? And this happened at the same time in the movies. Right. You know, they can't have two different things like that. So they gutted it. But I do think that was just a crushing blow to the Star Wars community. And that just probably, if it doesn't matter, then why should I care? And they probably just walked away. Yeah. Cause yeah, that did suck. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. They had to do it because it was getting to the point. Cause I did ask that question one time at a panel uh, at Dragon Con with a bunch of writers. And they were like, it was hard to write a book because they're having to do research 200 other books uh, for a, a one line, one liner in their book to make sure everything's good. Uh, so to, as a writer, it was sort of a relief to them. But then again, as a fan, you're like, you just ruined, you know, 20 years worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't think Lucasfilm itself represents what it used to represent. Cause I think, well, at least for me, when I first saw that Lucasfilm logo, I'm like, yes, this is going to be amazing. And now it's more like, oh, I hope I like this one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just, I think people are cool. Another observation that I had at PowerCon, um, and this is more about the hobby in general, uh-huh. the demographic of the people who were there, like 40 above. There were kids there, but a lot of it was like 40 and above. And then if I looked at, and this is not everything, but when I looked at the toy companies um, and what they were making, you know, they were making Silver Hawks. There was one that was a Brave Star inspired toy line. Uh, Dinosaur, the Jim Henson movie with the baby. Not the mama. Yeah. And Ninja Turtles, those are being made. Um, uh, Th- uh, Thundercats, He-Man, Biker Mice from Mars. Uh, like I said, I kept saying Battletoads. I mean, that's an NES game. So this is the first time they're making, I think this is the first time they're making toys for that, based on that. Uh, I think Super 7 had G.I. Joe, but they're the ones based on the cartoons. So what I'm saying is a lot of these new toys are just based on old stuff. Right. Um, I mean, there were new toys there, but it just seems like the hobby is more focused to the 40 and up. So what happens to them? I think we're at a weird conjecture because there's a lot of Star Wars. It wasn't moving. Um, it was just weird. Yeah. I mean, everyone's having fun and a blast, and I'm just taking a look like, you know, I was just trying to see the end of it, and it's it's good. There's going to be an end to the hobby at some point because kids don't care about this stuff. Yeah. Well, like you were just mentioning all the the stuff that's coming out. Uh, I think our our attention is divided. It used to be Star Wars, 
because that's what there is. And now you've got people, you know, doing everything else from our childhood and they're, they're a lot better sculpts than what star Wars is putting out. So that's where the money's going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I that's guess, kind of doom and gloom. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's not well, intended. I mean, and also like yesterday, Mandy saw like a, a a wicket for thirty bucks with a spear, and she was like, "That's a great deal." I'm like, "But do you need it?" No. And she put it back. A vintage one. Yeah. Oh. Well, she, we've got a whole ton of wickets. It's, but it was I a wanna, steal, huh? Yeah, I should have stolen it because I need a wicket. Yeah, <laughs> and I would. I. It's nerd you. They're the ones that got it. So you probably mentioned well, it's probably gone that. now that we've promoted it. Oh, no, we yeah. 30 bucks. I'm going to go buy it. That went great. He also had a prune face for 40 bucks complete. And I need a prune face rifle. And I really thought about buying that, but it's hard for me to spend $40 on something. I'm only going to take the rifle from. Mm-hmm. So. But. But yeah. yeah. I saw it yesterday, dude. Star Wars is definitely cooling. It's yeah. definitely, definitely cooling. I think I also think if uh Hasbro ever walked away from the Star Wars license, some of it's gotten shuffled. I know like Hasbro's lost some Disney stuff and it's gone to Mattel. I don't think Hasbro's gonna let the Star Wars license go, but I think if they did, that'd be the end of collecting for a lot of people. Really? Yeah, because I think that's an exit point. I mean, look at all the people that left when they switched boxes for the Black Series to the, the closed box. There was a huge dip in numbers. I think if it went to Mattel, people might like step away and say, okay, we're good. We've got we've got all the Kenner, which let, bled into the Hasbro era, to use the Taylor Swift term. And now we're in the Mattel era, for example. Um, so, I mean, do you think it... But let, let's say like somebody like Super 7 or the Four Horsemen picked up the line. And they did those crazy sculpts. Do you think it would bring people back? It's possible, but yeah. You'd have to rebuy everything because it'd be new sculpts. But I I would, I I think I'd kind of like, I don't know. I think with uh, no Hasbro, I don't know. I don't want to say it's gotten stale with Hasbro, but it's gotten stale a little bit with them. Yeah. Well, can they afford the license to have a Star Wars thing too? Because. Do you need to be a mega corporation like Hasbro mm-hmm. to afford the licensing fee that Disney demands for that line? Mm-hmm. Could a smaller company like that put? I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not connected. I don't have the money or wherewithal. I'm just asking the question out loud. Right. I That's I don't small. know. I mean, would they would they do like okay, we're going to do a smaller licensing fee to help a smaller company out? But that's Disney, and Disney doesn't do that. Disney doesn't do discounts. Right. Are are they just like, well, we're going to do it ourselves, but I don't know if Disney couldn't do that. Could they, could they, could Disney produce a star Wars line? No, not on their own. They're not toy makers. They're, uh, they have their stuff, but it's like one person works on one thing and then it goes into the stores. They're not working on an entire wave of star Wars figures. Right. They have their droids thing. And I think that's all they can do. Okay. Which I, I did get that Frankenstein droid. Dude, I wanted that. I looked on Is it sold Shop, out? It's not on Shop Disney anymore, but I think it's on the the you can still get it in stores or like oh. in at Disney World. Cause they were doing free shipping and I was like, that would be the one holdup because shipping always kills me when you buy one thing. You buy something for fifteen dollars and you gotta pay nine dollars to ship it. Okay. Yes, yes, that's right for Disney. So Unless it you get one of the free me. ship days. 
Right. Well, that's what I was waiting on. They did a free ship day. And when I went to go buy it, it was not there. It's gone. Yeah. So you just got to factor that into the cost of a shop Disney thing. It's really not $14. It's $25. Do I want this for $25? Right. And I didn't want it for $25. I wanted it, but then you would have to go buy all the other choppers. Okay. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Buy all the choppers. I should have. Then Do I it. Stop chopper. Stop chopper. Stop chopper. Stop chopper. Stop chopper. Do it. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> we could finish up with some news because let's there's do some, pop- some news. There's some yeah. good news. Yeah. Uh, but there's some bad news. So let's get through the bad news. And this is on Jedi Temple Archives if you want the full report. But Hasbro's revenue went down 10% in the second quarter of the year. And their partner brands, which are things like the Marvels and the Star Warses and all the other uh, licensed items, was down 21%. So that's a big drop there. So, I mean, I don't think you need to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out that higher prices is turning people away. No one wants to spend $25 for a vintage collection figure. Right. And there's also nothing exciting about repacking and repainting there's just nothing about that's like oh oh here's take my money shut up and take my money for that uh carbonized trooper you've made right and they're doing a whole t- they're still doing that they're still doing that uh, i worry about that last wave because when i'm talking to rich and you know he's he's seen he's a he is a uh subject matter expert when it comes to vintage collection because he's interviewed the people and it was the deep cuts towards the end of that first wave like the expanded universe characters and when they started to stretch that's the reason people stopped buying and it's ended the line because mm-hmm. there's nothing exciting and so when you look at this next wave which is 75 percent ish repaints and repacks it's not exciting I'm, I'm worried like oh no is this the end maybe i guess we we'll were see we were speculating on um this is this is so stupid this is such a nerdy thing but when you've got eight hours in the car you try to figure things out so vc 100 was star killer uh-huh vc 200 was the emperor and so they're about to hit vc 300 uh and we're trying to figure out who that might be any guesses i think it was rich that thought this one which i think is perfect they're well, making it. They're making from Obi Wan. They're doing the duel, Darth Vader versus Obi Wan. Uh huh. So I think like a battle. Whoa! What's going on with my voice? Mm-hmm. I that laugh you made. Blame mm-hmm. it on the the diet the diet diet coke. Diet coke making you lose your voice since copyright twenty twenty three. Where was I? Oh, so I think uh, the Obi Wan version of Darth Vader is going to be BC three hundred. Okay. That's what I wish... we landed on. Because all the other guys were bad guys. Okay. That makes sense. No, I was thinking something more along the line. I was like, they were not going to do Ahsoka because they've done 15 Ahsokas. No, um, it's either it's either that or Count Dooku. I think they're going to stay with the evil but, theme. Well, then let's say Count Dooku just to be different. Because they okay. haven't... Did they, have they done a Count Dooku? Yeah, he was announced as part of that wave. He was in the 25% newness of that wave. 
I've watched they're going to be like use some sort of officer pants, so half of it's even repainted. Dude, as long as they do it good, who cares? Look at the cosmic legions and mythic legions. The, the legs are all re repacks. They've all repainted the legs. There's been several figures on mythic legions that they've repainted that you're just like, I don't care because they do such a good job repainting this figure that you don't because they did a they did a uh, shoot battle cat and panthor and they're the same sculpt. Hmm. There's different pieces, but it's just the 90% of the same sculpt. And they did such a good job on those two figures that you don't care that they're repaints and you put them call, side by side and it, they look great. Call me when they carbonize them, then I'll be interested. <laughs> I'm waiting on that. Yes. Maybe with the cosmic legions, they'll carbonize stuff, but uh, yeah, I think not to, yeah. Like if Hasbro did that, it'd be fine. But when they start carbonizing things right after that, and you see them continue to reuse things it's like you you probably jumped the shark with the carbonization you shouldn't have done that i would have been fine like you but now i see it it's so blatant mm -hmm. give me something new right well that's what i'm saying i'm like i don't mind them reusing pieces and parts just give me a new figure yeah as long as you do it right i don't care don't yeah. keep re going yeah don't here i am bitching about repaints of boba fett and i just bought two of them but I didn't see any uh, Micro Galaxy Squadron stuff at the convention. There was some there yesterday, but it was all, uh, it was like at one or two vendors. Yeah, this is all. Yeah, it was, there was none of that there. That was another observation I made that I forgot to mention. Yeah, there was, uh, somebody had an ad at that he's wanting like $80 for, and then I think he wanted 60 bucks for the uh, shuttle. And I'm like, I can find those in the store. They're not that hard to find. Uh, hey Glenn, what day is it? It's Sunday, okay, but today's right. Tuesday. When they, yes. when this is released, it's Tuesday. <laughs> and who shows up on Tuesday? Soka shows up at ten p nine p.m. on Tuesday. Sabine I, shows up. Sabine, oh dude, I don't know if we're gonna see her. I don't know if we're gonna see her, but I, I on this episode. But I think Do you know something. No, I don't know something, but I think the way they're going to do we may see Sabine at the end of the second episode. That's me thinking, but I, I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of well, um, ground, a lot of ground lay, ground, groundwork for the first couple like it normally is. Do you know and something? I don't know something. Because Mando 3 just jumped into it. Did they? There, yeah, there was that one conversation with the armorer where you're setting up like the recap. Oh, I've done yeah. this and I've done this. And now I'm doing this and now I need this from you. Well, they showed like a 30 second clip of Hera fighting in the air, going after a ship in the Phantom 2. And then you had Ahsoka fighting uh, that robot and the new uh, Inquisitor on the ground. So that's why I'm assuming it's going to, that's maybe how it starts, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess if there's like, I think she'll show up. If they did that, it would be the end of the first episode. Cause I think at some point Hera's like, you, you need help and you need to know, you know who you need to talk to. Right. All right. Great. And then they go to Lothal and there's the epilogue scene from anyways, movie. <laughs> Moving on, dude. I watch my, my Mandy's rewatching Rebels, and we saw Jedi Knight last night. She was just like, She's like, Why do you have tissues? Because I knew it was coming, and she was just like, Why'd you bring tissues? And then she didn't, then it's just me losing it. And 
She's like, oh, that's why you brought it. I'm like, just let me enjoy this moment. Just, 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 just let me, let me have my moment, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying from laughing. I'm trying not to laugh so hard. I saw a reel today on, I don't remember if it was Instagram or Facebook, where someone was like, the new Kanan Jarrus minifigures leaked and they cut to that new version of the ghost. And they cut to the back to Jason Sandula, who's standing next to a flame. And they uh-huh. focus in on the flame as the new minifig for Kane and Jarrus. Dude, it's so bad. I'm like, really? Because you see like the 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 cartoon versions with the live versions, and it's all of them are Kane and his dust. And I'm like, why are you doing that, man? You guys suck. You oh, oh just just stop. Just please stop. But uh yeah, and also somebody in like the West Virginia group was because that Sam had posted in the West Virginia group that or somebody was no, not Sam didn't, but somebody was just like, Why did they do this? They moved it to 9 p.m. on Tuesdays and blah, I'm mad. And I'm like, Why are you mad? You get to watch it at 9 p.m. on Tuesday instead of waking up at 4 a.m. on Wednesday, and yeah. you get to see it with a fresh set of eyes instead of being tired dead tired and not understanding half of the show and he's like well i go to bed at nine and wake up at three and i'm like and watch then just three. stay the off of facebook and go to bed and wake up and watch the damn show and shut up and enjoy it and sorry and <laughs> i'm mr. really mr glenn where did you just go <laughs> I, I am just I'm so hyped up for this show. I've been waiting five years for it and knowing it's coming for two. So it, I'm just, I'm ready for it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited that they moved it to Tuesdays they, at 9 PM. Um, because then I, like I said, I can watch it and enjoy it. Um, and be bright eyed and bushy tailed instead of dead tired at 4 a.m. watching it and you don't have to worry about spoilers i'm just my only concern is i'm hoping we don't crash disney plus because <laughs> no. you know everybody in the freaking world will be like it's on it's been tested it's good uh, for, dude better call saul was supposed to be like that and it crashed amc plus the yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones did that with HBO, too. I'm going to be... You want to see a pissed-off 47-year-old man? Dude, <laughs> I was at Second Chance yesterday, and uh, Chance was like, hey, man, we're, we're thinking of doing... A, uh, we, did a re- we did a watch party for Obi-Wan, and we were thinking about doing it for Rebel, for Ahsoka, and then they, they kind of talked for a minute, and they go, yeah, we, we mentioned it to Kelly, and Kelly was like, um, I don't want to do it. And they're like, why? And he goes, do you want to see me cry? No. <laughs> and then they were do like, "There's the same grown man cry." Yeah, do you want to see a 47 year old man cry like a little baby? Hey, we need to redefine what being a man is, and it's okay to cry. It totally is okay to cry, dude. I have no. You need to show your emotions, and unless you're in Texas, yeah, <laughs> even in Texas, I think he'd be all right. But um, that's why I've, I've I learned a long time ago: you do not hold your emotions in, and that's why I'm the way I am is I will, I cannot, I refuse to hold my emotions in it, you know? Um, so, but, um, Hey, did you see she was going to be at Disneyland Ahsoka? Yeah. Great for the Disneylanders. I'm so mad. Don't forget us on the East. I understand why they do it because apparently it's a lesser crowded park, but I've seen memes. Have you seen the memes where people are like, uh, or it's more TikToks, but it's people that are used to going to Disney World and then they go to Disneyland and they're like rope dropping and nobody's rope dropping at Disneyland and nobody's running. <laughs> they're so used to, you know, 
it's just a totally different park. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what else? Oh, dude. So, and then I've got two questions and then we can wrap it up. So like they did a fan event for Ahsoka. Yeah. And this is sort of me griping. It's going to be back to the angry Glenn here in a second. Oh, but, hold on. Let me get a teddy bear to protect me. <laughs> it's just, it's me. It's me being a little bit aggravated because they, I guess they were going to do like a big red carpet event for Ahsoka and they ended up doing a fan event on Thursday. Um, when they announced like before the writer strike, um, Rosario Dawson was doing one of those raffles, you know, where you can donate to whatever charity she liked or donated yeah. to, to charity and you buy raffle tickets and she was going to fly somebody out to that event yeah, and be her guest and blah, blah, blah. Get to have the whole red carpet experience. Well, I was like $10. Let me get some tickets. Well, then the writer strike happened and that disappeared. I never saw I, I my Mandy's the one that handles the finances, so I never saw a refund come through. Never got an email saying, "Hey, the writers strike." Blah blah blah. So I'm just I'm like, should they have refunded everybody's money, or at least sent an email going, "Hey, do you still want the money? Do you still feel like donating?" Or you know, yes. I just it it they annoys should have done me. The, la- the latter. That at least send an email out going, "Hey, this is what happens." No, uh, yeah, uh, an email like you were just saying, uh, do you want to continue with this donation or would you like a refund? Yeah, and I never got an email. I even went back to like the congratulations for or thanks for donating and went to look for it on the website. It's gone. Well, if you want, I'll give you $10. Just donate <laughs> <It's>, that to charity. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, but it's just, I find it really annoying because that's happened to me several times where you like, it's a progressive uh, thing, a progressive uh, contest where you've got to keep up with it every day yeah. and you're doing awesome and you're winning and you're, you're, uh, or you're on top of it. And then all of a sudden they stop doing the contest and you're like, what the hell? I was winning this thing. Yeah. yeah. So it just, it's annoying. It's a personal annoyance. The fact that it's like a, a big company that's put this together and orchestrated it. Like I'm talking about the system itself. Um, the, the system that was devised to take the money and to um, randomly select the number and all that. That's that's another company outside of it that Lucasfilm hired and doing Rogue Fun. I did look up uh, online to see if there was some sort of ticketing system that we can use. And the one company that seemed to come up quite often um, wasn't paying people for the money. They would just take the money and they wouldn't give it to the organizations. There was like charitable organizations out like $60,000 because the company that took the money, the website didn't give it out. Mm-hmm. They just kept it for themselves. So when you kind of like, that's my concern with that. It's like, is it really going to charity or is it just going to uh tech bro from Silicon Valley or something? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, this wasn't because um, this wasn't the main company that does it. It was a, a different company that that did it because I think it's like Omaze or something or, yeah. or uh, that does the that's the major company that does that kind of stuff. And this the wasn't force them. For change. Yeah, and uh, I was just it was it, I just found it annoying. It, it was like you could take the five minutes and message everybody because you have all of our you know it take you two minutes to put an email out uh, and hit send or reply all or whatever, but whatever i was just it was like you're you're entitled to be upset yeah is that what your question was Can yes I am upset? i entitled to be upset but it's only ten dollars so i'm done being upset okay i can well, be upset for a few minutes but it's not worth ruining yeah. my day over ten dollars because if you know 
I spend more than a half an hour on it. I've wasted ten dollars worth of my what time. If, yeah. What if uh, Superfan gave a thousand dollars to try to increase their chance? You know what happens then? Right. That's more what I'm concerned about. Do you yeah. have? Yeah. You have because you can donate a bunch of money to this thing. Or I can just go up to uh, the local uh, Habitat for Humanity and say, "Here's a thousand dollars." Right. But so, um, yeah. Question two. Question two. Do you think it'd be weird? Because when I was going through my uh, carded figures, um, I have the Darth Maul and Ahsoka from Clone Wars from the end of Clone Wars, and those figures are not they're they're not holding their value or whatever. They're basically retail, so they're fifteen twenty dollars figures. Would it be weird if I open those up and put them in my ghost, even though no. they're from Clone Wars? No. Okay. You do you. I'm just asking because, you know, it's not the same thing. It's not the same show, but. No, what I think you should do is go out to eBay and buy loose figures and keep yours preserved in the <laughs> packaging. Is that what you're asking me? I don't. I'm just you... more asking, would it look weird if they were not the Rebels versions of those figures in the ghost? Would it bother you? No. Then there's then your do answer. It. You're good. Because I did buy two. Uh, I pre-ordered two Thrawns so I could open one and put it with the ghost and then keep one packaged because it has a Rebels packaging on it. There isn't a TVC uh, Darth Maul with the robot legs. That may be him. Well, it's from Clone Wars, so he's got the yeah, robot but there's legs. Yeah, there's a vintage collection version if you really wanted to stay consistent with the vintage collection. Mm -hmm. there's a version of that but then again the way that i'm thinking i'm gonna have to display this i don't know if people are ever gonna see the inside of it unless i take it down and you know i yeah. don't I, i'll know i'll know in a year when i get it so cool i'm pretty excited it's uh, dude that thing is cool do you think it's gonna hit 17 maybe it's definitely going to get to like 14. It just depends on those last two, three days. That's when the uh, people who have the FOMO, like they've been waiting and it's like, oh, I guess I got to do this now. Uh -huh. That's when they strike. And uh, it depends on how high it will go. I don't think it's going to hit the 28,000 that the Razor Crest hit. I think part of the reason why it hit so high is because people were looking at the sale barge saying, this is the next big investment thing that I can buy and resell. Um, and when the time came, the Razor Crest you could still get for like four or five hundred dollars. It's not that if you have the money, it's not that tough to find. Right. You could, yeah, you could still there where their sale barge is hitting thousands of dollars. You could, yeah, five, six hundred bucks, maybe seven on a bad day. You can get a Razor Crest. You can, yeah, Razor Crest or 500 on a good day, seven on a bad. And like we're saying, it's cooling. So people aren't interested in buying that stuff. Right. I think this is just my latest theory. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I've never watched. A HasLab, so this is my first HasLab that I've paid attention to. But then Baby, I baby's uh, first HasLab. Yeah, <laughs> you were saying, but uh, I don't know people. People like I was talking to Tony and with the GI Joe, the the helicopter. They paused everything. They're like, we we're having computer issues, and we're gonna make it last an extra day, and then got like five thousand more backers yeah. in a day. We'll see. I don't think that's necessary. They don't need to do that, but I, yeah, you can get like thousands in a day. It'll happen. Yeah. You, I, I, it's slowly, I think I just checked it. It's at 10,700. 
Yeah. So this sometime this week it'll hit eleven. It gets like it's really weird because you're just it's like creeping and creeping and creeping. Um, and then I've also heard a rumor, and then all of a sudden it's there. But I've also heard a rumor that the Asia one, the the Haslav Asia, that their numbers are a couple of hundred less than the American. So I heard a rumor that they're two different counts. So if you add them together, they're already at twenty thousand. That it's not the same. Am I making sense? That the I the think so. like the American ones has one count, and then the America, Asian one. I get that. The one in Asia, they have a different count. Okay. So that one's at like 10,000, like 200 less than the one in America. I don't know. We'll see. I do think it'll, I think we get Canaan. I don't know if we'll get Zeb. That's the one I'm worried about. Yeah, Zeb. I'd love to get Zeb. It'd be, it, it, and it, it's heartbreaking to me that we're not getting Sabine on the, on that card back. I think if they were going to throw, if they would have done Sabine, I think it would have pushed it, but. And I think it was a half-ass excuse. Oh, the Sabine, you can get the deluxe figure of Sabine. I think that's the wrong freaking Sabine, guys. Is that something they could repaint, repack? Probably. Yeah, they'll do it then, yeah. (laughs) It was a rhetorical question. As I said it, I'm like... I think they're going to repack all those figures even though they're like this you're not going to get this figure again but i think they'll repack all those figures there's 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 too many there's been too much with that sale barge that they keep pushing that sale barge and keep bringing figures in for that sale barge they'll do the same thing for the ghost fingers crossed my friend just texted me something i don't know what he said anyways um (laughs) oh uh the directors of uh ahsoka yes they released that. Chapter one is Dave Filoni. Chapter two and three is Steph Green. She directed episodes of Book of Boba Fett. Peter Ramsey uh, is chapter four. He directed Mando. Uh, some unknown Dave Filoni is chapter five. Chapter six is Jennifer Getzinger, who did uh, Getzinger uh, Westworld. She directed episodes of Westworld. Okay. Rita Vasant Patel uh, directed episodes of House of the Dragon. And then Rick Famayua who's done he executive produced season three. He's directed the episodes. He was also one of the X-Wing pilots in the first cool. season. Uh, he comes back to direct chapter eight. Interesting. That's no the one Bryce. I'm... Go ahead. No, no Bryce Dallas Howard, but I thought she was acting in this. That'd be interesting. Maybe not. I don't know where I read that. Hmm. If if that's even true. Um, what was I going? all of this i'm really looking forward they've they've hinted that this is the empire strikes back of the mandoverse yeah so i'm very interested to see i'm curious if we're gonna see mando in it because all this stuff is happening at the same time as mandalorian so are we gonna see the scene where like that the planet where ahsoka goes and she meets up with mando when she's hunting that the whatever her name is are we going to see I that? Know. I have a feeling we're going to kind of stay. There's that episode of Mandalorian we'll be hinting at. What? I just, uh, I, the license plate, I don't even know whose license plate is. It's 1.21 gigawatts. It took me a second to figure out what the license plate went. 1.21 gigawatts. 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 Anyway, sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That it? That's it. I think I'm good. Okay, so we'll drop in this episode, this uh, episode, this uh, interview we did with Freddie Thoman, 
Um, I had asked to see if he can come on this show, but he lives eight minutes, eight miles out in the country, has spotty. He says he has to drive eight miles to his neighbor's computer if he wants to use a computer or something like that. So we wouldn't be able to get him on the show on Zoom if he can't uh, access a computer. So I just sat down with my phone. I sat down with him a couple times to try to record, but every time um, someone came up and bought something from him. And so he's like, I think you're my good luck charm. <laughs> he kept selling stuff. So Well, it's because you're so good looking. Yeah, it's me. Hey, ladies. Uh, <laughs> hey, gentlemen. Would you like to buy a print? So yeah, he has uh, he has some great stories. So we'll drop that in. You started at Kenner in 1978. Yes, sir. As an intern. Yep. Yep. A industrial, co-op. industrial design co-op. Yep. Um, uh, well, as you probably already know, industrial design. Uh, it's University of Cincinnati. It's a five-year program because you do you know work alternated with school. Yeah. And what was one of your first projects at Kenner? At Kenner? Wow. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, gas and go truck, I remember. It was a little truck that it had a giant oversized, um, like a gas gauge. And if you rolled it a certain amount of distance, the gas you could see the gas gauge empty. And then you'd have to put a little you know yeah. filler in it and it would reset the thing yeah. so the gas and go truck uh, they'd have me working on assorted things Ken Kite was the design manager and uh, you know a, a co-op student is kind of like loaned out we were kind of like you know well we got something for him to do today so I worked on a lot of different projects he worked on a lot of things like Sears specials um, you know so they might do a special set of action figures and then create a little diorama mm-hmm. you know a little cardboard diorama or something like that um other early designs gosh i worked on the original alien figures as a co-op people probably not many people are aware of that but we actually were pursuing doing a line of action figures for the original alien movie um, and then people are familiar with the 18-inch figure, which is, you know, quite a collector's item. Yeah. Uh, but we actually were going to do, gosh, well, I love the movie, but, you know, all the, all the main figures, as well as a smaller version of the Alien. And then we were planning on doing uh, die-cast versions of the uh, Nostromo and the uh, Narcissus. Narcissus. The, one, the little one that yeah, comes the, the, out of. The, yeah, the escape pod. That, yeah, the, that yeah. they both escape through. Ripley, yes. Ripley yeah. and the alien. And the cat. Yeah, yeah the cat, <laughs> yes, yes. All three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Star Wars, you got to do the original art for is it the Planet Ice, Planet Hawk place. Yeah, the... Uh, the I'm not sure which one came first, but there was the Rebel Command Center playset and the Hoth uh, Ice Planet playset. Now the Rebel Command uh, featured a, a remolded in white base. See the original playset, as I recall, uh, was like a Tatooine yeah. playset with Jawas, Jawas, yeah. yeah, and the backdrop, the cardboard printed backdrop, was the uh, Sandcrawler. So. For uh, specials, we basically just take the same uh, molded base, which it passed for rock, but it also wasn't out of place to look like an ice surface or snow. So we just molded it in white, and then 
there again, I guess they thought I was a, a, a good enough painter that um, they allowed me to do the final production artwork on both of those places as a student. As a 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was basically about 19 years old. And it was like, I mean, I didn't realize the significance of that then, but it's kind of wild to look back and like be allowed you know, to yeah. do that. Yeah. So what was the process like of developing that, that print with Lucasfilm? Was there a lot of changes made to it? I don't really recall much. Um, I, I'd have to say, in all honesty, back in the day, and then, of course, if you probably watch the different, like, you know, toys that made us and different shows like that, you you kind of get a sense that in the early days, you know, Kenner with, with Lucasfilm was kind of like, kind of groundbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of we're all getting our sea legs here on, you know, how to write contracts and stuff like that. And in terms of like say the rebel command center um lucasfilm would send us uh images you know pre-production images and stuff of sets and things like that Mm -hmm. and that's what we would use to compose the illustrations Uh, but what i'm getting at is although as time went on i think lucasfilm became more and more you know focused on minute details and making sure things were captured just so but I don't remember a whole lot of uh, revision back there I mean we were basically what I'd love to kind of a shout out to, uh, to all people out there listening that a designer's mentality we're doing always trying to do our level best to produce an accurate and faithful representation because every once in a while I'll be stopped by somebody like well, why didn't you do this toy with like a little bit more detail? Or I don't know if that likeness is just quite like it. I'm like, guys, we wanted it to be as dead on as you do. But sometimes I remember I worked on the Terminator line and it was just kind of like our sculptors were wizards in terms of being able to capture features and stuff. But for some reason, as I recall, we weren't allowed to do an absolute perfect rendition of Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. Really? He kind the figures kind of look yeah, like Arnold, but they're maybe he didn't sign away his likeness. Yeah. So I'm just saying, sometimes there are compromises that have to be made that we would rather not. Mm-hmm. But your designers are always like designers are always like the toy collector and the, and the, those that play with the toys. I mean, we're we're your best advocates. Yeah. We we want to nail it. Yeah. But sometimes we're not allowed to, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. You also developed the ATST for Return of the Jedi. Yes. Um, what was that process like? ATST, that was probably the Scout Walker or Walker Scout. Um, that's probably one of my earlier uh, Star Wars, because I worked on a lot of different products in the girls' toys line and stuff like that. Um, oh, gosh. Well, you know, looking at photographs and stuff they would send us and, yeah. and uh, you know, images from the movie and trying to basically recreate it. There again, trying to be as faithful as possible. Yeah. But, you know, even sometimes while, while you're, they're in production, you know, you might have to commit to tooling detail in advance of what actually ends up in the movie and yeah. stuff. So that's another reason why sometimes things are a little bit different. You know, because the lead time to produce a toy typically is a good, you know, full year. Yeah. So, um, 
So what I would do is create the technical drawings. We refer to them as pattern drawings. And those will be orthographic views where you do, you know, a detailed front view, side view, rear view, top view, bottom view. Uh, and then we would do cutaways, section views, they would call, where you would do a slice, an imaginary slice through the product, and then show in a drawing, like, how that surface changed, mm -hmm. you know, so that in order to communicate this to the model makers and the craftsmen who are producing the, the patterns to be uh, duplicated from, you gave them a cross-section so they understood like, well, this bolt sticks out 30 thousandths of an inch. Mm. For those of those who aren't into decimal equivalents, 30 thousandths is like half of a 16th. <laughs> 60 thousandths is a 16th. Yep. 120 thousandths, 25 thousandths is an eighth. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> but so you had to spell that out every surface every rivet every everything so that they knew the detail they put on there was was accurate yeah. to your drawings yeah uh, so then those drawings of course now this has to go through an approval process engineering has to look at it make sure that, you know choose what plastic you know how much deflection you know it goes through a whole process. Break test, you had said pressure oh, test. Oh, yeah. Well, when, when we get to the point where we had prototype parts or something like that, which is down the line, um, as I recall, we would do like what's called an engineering pilot. Yeah. And an engineering pilot, as I recall, was you took 156 shippers of products. And for those out there who are squeamish collectors, this will break your heart. But like, say, for example... If a typical shipper, if if uh, it if it could hold say six scout walkers in it, so okay. So imagine in the halls of Kenner, there are 156 cases of those. Now those cases have gone through hell. They've been frozen. They've been thawed. They've been cooked to like 120 degrees inside of semi trailers. They've been abused. You name it. Yeah all in this for the sake of quality assurance to make sure that the plastic doesn't distort uh color doesn't leach out of the parts mm. and, and you know um so it, it goes for quite a process so then all of those shippers have to be opened typically by the engineer project engineer and inspected and then he would send samples like to the designer and go like okay are these colors proper color you know if they capture the detail stuff like that yeah. so uh it's it's quite a process yeah but but that's that's after going to patterns i'll just circle back yeah yeah the pattern drawings went to pattern makers in the case of the scout walker it was a uh, a vendor in uh, grand rapids michigan so the engineer and i the engineer was uh, name was ray drake um he and I flew on a couple of occasions to Grand Rapids, Michigan from Cincinnati and, you know, to inspect the hardwood patterns. And these patterns were just a work of art. I mean, they were, you know, hardwoods, uh, detail was done, and, like, they might use multiple woods. So it wasn't just, you know, this, this dark brown mass of detail, but it was very art, artistically done you know, in the different shades of wood and the grains going in different directions. And uh, so there would usually be, um, these patterns would typically be done at an enlarged scale. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they wouldn't do, be done at the same size as the actual finished product. So in the case of the Scout Walker, every part there was actually done twice the size. And the reasoning for that is so that the detail could be more faithfully captured. Uh, so what they would do is they have these wood patterns. Once they were approved, approved by Lucasfilm, whatever, then uh, it would be panographed. And panographed basically is a computer-guided stylus that runs over the patterns back and forth and back and forth, captures all the detail, and then that detail is then translated into a computer file and then cut into the steel itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the first step of doing prototype tools and yep. things like that. So, so when you <clears throat> sketch it out, are you thinking about playability? Because the ATST Walker has a lot of playability with the, the legs moving and stuff. So is that a consideration you're making at the start? Or is that something later down the line with the mechanical engineers? Well, okay, as far as playability, uh, uh, yes, our designers, we own that. <laughs> but um, in the case of the Scout Walker, I mean, obviously we are trying to be faithful to a, a Lucas design. However, there was some latitude, like, like for example, engineering gets into it in that the, the intricacies, anybody who's you know, played with a Scout Walker, I mean, the balance involved. I mean, Mm -hmm. Ray, to get that thing right, to still be faithful to the design, but also balanced so it would stand properly. And then there's an adjustment on the backside of it, you know, because sometimes the imperfections of molded plastic and stuff, you know, he wouldn't sit necessarily properly. So we had an adjustment on the back of it that would bring his legs into uh, alignment. But no one ever saw the interior of the scout walker in the movie yeah right so that's another example of where i would just create imagined like control panels imagine like what did the seat look like try to put on my you know imperial empire (laughs) you know thinking cap and like you know what kind of a padded seat what what kind of styling would it be yeah what kind of textures would it have yeah you know so that that's very much plays a part of you know, the stuff that isn't seen, it's like, well, we've got to come up with something that looks like it makes sense yep. inside there. Yep. So. One of the cool items you have on display today or that you brought with you are photos of Boba Fett visiting Kenner. <laughs> How yeah. often did that happen, and what was that day like? Well, that only happened, and that's why I brought these, uh, these pictures, is uh, I thought someone would get a kick out of them. Um, They're great. It was approximately, I think it was 1979, and uh, the Boba Fett character, uh, I, you know, I'm sure it wasn't the actor who actually was in the movie, but it, uh, it was a faithful rendition, perfect replica of the, of the actual, probably was actually used in the film. And uh, Tom Osborne next door is thumbing his nose at me, making fun of me. <laughs> um, so this guy shows up, and, and we hadn't seen any of this stuff before, so we're getting a kick out of this. And this kind of thing would happen from time to time at Kenner. That was what was so cool about it. It was just like, okay, guys, uh, Boba Fett's coming tomorrow. I was like, what? You know, <laughs> so I, there again, I was uh, still a co-op student. And I was into photography, and I had a 35-millimeter camera. And I was like, I'm going to bring my camera in. Well, as it turns out, I'm the only person who took pictures of this even happening wow 
which boggles my mind. Yeah, it does. That seems crazy. But it was really kind of like a meet and greet, and like everybody gathered around uh, at the, in the Kroger building, uh, mostly in the eleventh floor conference room, was, which was the level where the prelim people, uh, the rainbow room, we always refer to it. They had a rainbow above where we presented. Okay. Uh, rainbow bands of color, and. Uh, here he comes in, and they brought an assistant with him to help him get his helmet on and stuff like that. And, and he basically, they paraded him around throughout the whole building. I think, you know, trying to get folks kind of jacked up a little Excited, bit about, yeah. you know, feel involved. Okay. You know, we're doing all this Star Wars kind of stuff. Here's a cool moment for employees. And uh, so I've got all these cool photos of him from different angles with, the, you know, his rocket backpack. Uh, you know the, the the hand weapon that he was using. I mean, and he's you know he's he's sitting there on a the bench, you know, drinking a Seven Up and stuff like that. You know, so it's, and I mean it's all legit. And yeah. It's just a, it's a really cool that's moment. Be really and, cool. And these are the only pictures that exist. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's it's crazy. So. Well, I have to run to a panel, but yeah. I want to say thank you for your time. Thank you, Jason. These are amazing I really stories. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, the uh, real quick, the Death Star place, uh, the Escape from the Death Star. Uh, board game. Yeah. You have alternative art here. Yes. What's the story behind that real quick? <laughs> real quick. Okay. Well, as a, as a snot-nosed uh, student and lover of the Star Wars movie, I kind of disagreed with the direction that the original board game that Kenner released took. Yeah. Now, there are good reasons why, you know, yeah. they, were, they were producing a line appearance and look. Yeah. That's legit. But... I was all ate up with Star Wars, so I wanted to do my own version. So I did an alternate okay. illustration of the Millennium Falcon being attacked by TIE fighters and the Death Star in the background. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, well, thank I like you. it a lot. It's a, it's a gouache, opaque, opaque watercolor gouache painting. Okay. So very cool. But I, like I said, I was being a punk, and I was just like, "Well, I want it. I think it should look like this." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> shut up. Get back to work. <laughs> do what we ask you to do." <laughs> all right. All right. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Uh, Rogue Fun is a three-day event that showcases the passion, knowledge, talent, and contribution to the Star Wars collecting hobby by those living in the state of Georgia. The event is held Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th, 2024. It will include collector-focused panels, open collection tours, special guests, food, swag, and most importantly, our friends across the galaxy. So uh, you need to be a member of the GASWC um, to uh, participate. So just make sure you're part of that so you can get the latest information. And uh, enjoy uh, Ahsoka. Thank you for listening to the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. If you could, please leave a like and a five-star review of the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If it's allowed, it really helps us out and points people to our show. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Send us an email or message us. We love feedback and we love to make you part of the show. Our email address is smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. Thank you to Levi Waterhouse for the Smugglers Galaxy music. And thank you to Alfonso Riviera for the Smugglers Galaxy logo. People, collect for the love of it. Hashtag vote with your wallet. Sabine will be on tonight. Pass on what you've learned. Be a positive force in the collecting community. This is the way. Back the ghost. This is the way. Mm-hmm.